Great stuff. Well, uh, it's great to have you with us, guys. I uh, have my, my own welcome. My name is uh, Will Warren. I'm the curate, or the assistant uh, vicar here at Holy Trinity. And it's great to see you, uh, see you all here, particularly the new faces. You're really, really welcome, especially if you're a student and you're kind of checking out uh, churches. We, we love having you here. You're very, very welcome. Uh, let me pray for us as we uh, look at that passage that we had uh, read to us a little earlier. It's uh, Luke chapter 19, and you can find it on page 1053. Uh, It'd be a great help to me if you kept that open. Let's uh, pray, shall we? The uh, writer of the Hebrews tells us that the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Joints and marrows, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Uh, Lord God, we know that to be true of your words, and uh, we pray that it would do its uh, work among us uh, this evening. Uh, We have a familiar passage known to many of us, uh, I'm sure, uh, and yet we know that it still speaks. Uh, So we ask that you would speak to us uh, this evening. Uh, You would cut deep into us, you would expose our attitudes and our hearts' uh, desires, and you would draw us to know you. Help me as I speak, and help us as we listen, we pray. Amen. Do you know what the uh, most despised occupation in the UK is? Let me uh, tell you. Well, in ascending order, it goes like this. Uh, Apparently, uh, lawyers, then police officers, then salesmen, then call centre workers, and top of the list, with 50% of the votes, traffic wardens. (laughs) Sorry if you're a traffic warden. <laughs> Do you know which, are the most respect, which is the most respected job, just out of interest? Anyone guess? Doctors. Doctors, close. Surgeons. There we are. Good luck if you're a surgeon. Uh, if we were in uh, Jesus' time, in uh, first century Palestine, there would have been absolutely no question at all uh, which profession was the most unpopular. Tax collectors were the most unpopular people in that uh, society. Uh, They were appointed by the Romans. The Romans were ruling Palestine at uh, that time. Uh, And really their job was to harvest the revenues from the taxes on the Romans' behalf. The Romans were a bit lazy. They thought it was much easier to farm it out to somebody else to do it on their behalf, essentially. Uh, The problem was that uh, the rest of their countrymen didn't take quite such a uh, kind view of things. Uh, Most of the Jews at the time would have looked at them and said, well, these guys are traitors. They've betrayed their country. They're working for the Romans, the hated Romans. They've betrayed their culture. Uh, we don't want anything to do with them. Uh, they were always hanging out with Gentiles, with non-Jews. Uh, that made them uh, defiled or dirty or unclean in the eyes of uh, the, uh, the, the religious elite. Uh, even more than that, they were renowned for being dishonest and crooked. Uh, what happened was, of course, the Romans uh, let them collect far more uh, than they needed to, and they would just ha- uh, send off some to the Romans, and then they would keep the rest for themselves. So they could just charge as much as they liked and uh, get away with it, and they were renowned for uh, taking uh, more than they should do. Uh, all in all, someone like Zacchaeus, a tax collector, uh, was not going to be the most popular person around. And yet... His life was changed forever when he met Jesus, when Jesus came to dinner. I want to draw out uh, four things uh, for us this evening from uh, this story. And the first is that Zacchaeus had a great difficulty. Zacchaeus had a great difficulty. Uh, Several of the factors that made tax collectors particularly unpopular uh, were intensified in uh, Zacchaeus. 
So if we look through the story, uh, Luke tells us several things about him. He says, first of all, that he was a chief tax collector, uh, verse 2. That probably meant he was in charge of taxation in Jericho. He was kind of head of the revenue office. Uh, he was the boss, and, uh, and he was, was kind of in charge, so that would probably make him particularly unpopular in the eyes of the locals. He was the focus, I guess, of their, uh, their uh, frustration. Uh, we're told, even by uh, the usual standards of tax collectors, he was a wealthy guy. Uh, something stood out about him. He was wealthy enough for Luke to uh, note it for us. Uh, partly, I guess, that was probably because he was the chief tax collector. He was in charge. He could uh, filch a bit from his fellow tax collectors on top of everything else. So he was probably making a fair bit of money. But that was also because he was the chief tax collector in Jericho. And Jericho was a major trading centre. He, he, he'd really worked this one out, Zacchaeus. Uh, he'd got himself a very, very tidy little earner. Uh, Jericho was one of the major trading places, so everyone would come there, and you can imagine that there were lots and lots of customs duties. He must have been rubbing his hands at the prospects, and clearly he'd made uh, the most of it. Plenty of opportunities to start milking uh, the, uh, the traders who came there. Uh, clearly, for all these reasons, not to mention the fact that he was a little bit short on height, we could uh, say, uh, Zacchaeus had a few difficulties and yet there, was, there were a few difficulties that I think went a bit deeper than those kind of initial ones. Uh, for all his wealth, it seems that he was spiritually thirsty. Like lots of other people have found throughout history. Uh, money is a bit like seawater, as I heard a preacher once say. It's a bit like seawater. The more you drink of it, the more you want. It never satisfies you. It just makes you more and more thirsty. Uh, the uh, millionaire John Rockefeller was apparently once asked uh, how much money was enough for him. And his answer was, just a little bit more. Isn't that always the way, isn't it? We could always do a little bit more to keep us going. But I think more than feeling just dissatisfied, spiritually thirsty, I wonder if Zacchaeus was aware of an even deeper difficulty than that. Uh, No preacher has ever matched Jesus for plain speaking about money. Think of some of the things that Jesus said. Do not store up treasures for yourselves. You cannot serve both God and money. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus was pretty blunt when it came to talking about money, far more than most preachers would ever dare to be. Uh, Jesus knew that ultimately the biggest issue with wealth is not the money itself, uh, but it's the fact that it leads people to put their trust in riches and success rather than God. And unless we're trusting in Jesus' work on our behalf, unless we're prepared to call him Lord and Master, not our money, not our success, not our wealth, the kingdom of God remains closed to us. And our life remains unsatisfying because we don't know the person for whom we're created. I think many, many people down the years have found themselves in a similar situation to Zacchaeus. Uh, I I came across an interview very recently with um, Tom York, the uh, lead singer of Radiohead. Radiohead, one of the most uh, successful and, I guess, critically acclaimed bands of the last 20 years. Almost every poll of bands puts them, greatest albums puts them up there. Uh, And apparently this is an interview that Tom York gave uh, quite just a few years after they uh, made OK Computer, the album for which they are the most famous. It's been claimed as probably one of the greatest pop albums ever uh, made. Uh, This is what the interview um, said to him. The interview asked him, 
Tom, wh why do you carry on making music, even though you've achieved all the success that you could possibly have? And this is what he said. He said, well, it's just filling a hole, because that's all that anyone ever does it for. It's just filling a hole. Apparently, the interviewer then followed it up with another question. He said, what happens to that hole? Apparently, it was a long pause, and Tom York's reply was quite sad. It's just still there. It never goes away. It's still there. It never goes away. That was somebody who knew, who knows success. He's, he's a very successful guy, famous. Uh, he's presumably very wealthy. And yet all that success, all that wealth, couldn't provide what he hoped it would. And I wonder if Zacchaeus was a little bit like that. He had everything, really, the world could offer. He had wealth, he had success, he had status. And yet it didn't amount to very much in the end. If he didn't have a place in God's kingdom, it might as well be nothing. That's his greatest difficulty. Second thing I think we see from this passage. Uh, Zacchaeus had a great desire. He had a great desire. And what was he going to do, having realised this? Having come to this realisation that life wasn't really all it seemed to be for him. I guess there were probably a few options um, available for him. Uh, he could have decided just to ignore it, I suppose. Uh, to ignore that, that sort of sense, that nagging sense in his heart that something was gone, had gone a bit wrong here. Uh, he wouldn't be alone on that. There are plenty of people uh, who do that. Uh, they know that, something, that there's something more to life than the nine to five, to uh, clocking in, to getting the paycheck, to getting the nice house, to getting the two point four kids, the wife, etc., etc., and they hope that if they just keep squashing it, if they just keep pretending it's not there, then somehow it will one day go away and, uh, and they won't have to deal with it anymore. Clearly for Zacchaeus, it hadn't just gone away. <laughs> it kept shouting and kept nagging at him. Uh, there's a, a poem called The Hound of Heaven, which uh, is quite a famous poem. It's written by a guy called Francis Thompson, who was a Roman Catholic who, who uh, spent a long time fleeing from God and uh, eventually, later in life, came back to him. And it's, it's quite a famous poem, and this is what he, how he described that sense of being pursued by God. It's almost like God's got, kind of got your number and won't let you go. This is what he said. He said, I fled him. I fled him. Down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind, and in the midst of tears, I hid from him. I hid from him. Maybe that was the Zacchaeus's experience, maybe it's your experience tonight, uh, there's a sense, a nagging sense that there's something more to life. Maybe you've come up to university and uh, you really, you've decided that you want to get a degree, but actually you want to work out what this whole life business is about. Why are we here? What are we for? Uh, Plato, the Greek philosopher, once said that uh, man is a being in search of meaning. <laughs> Quite profound, really, when you think about it. Uh, many people uh, hope that when they come up to university that that will be the answer. They'll find something that makes them tick. Maybe they'll uh, join the hockey club and they'll discover that that's why they're put here to, uh, to live. Maybe they'll get a decent degree and that will be the ticket to success and to meaning in life. But sadly, it doesn't work out like that. There's a nagging sense inside that something more to life. That was Zacchaeus' experience uh, here. What did he decide to do? Uh, well, he could have just uh, given up on it, but he didn't. He decided to, to give up running from uh, God, running from Jesus, and to seek him out. He obviously heard, hadn't he, that Jesus was in town. There was something about Jesus that compelled him to come and have a look, uh, to the extent that he was prepared to do anything to seek him out. 
Uh, he was prepared to run, we're told, in verse uh, 4. That was pretty surprising. Uh, nobody of any status would be caught running in uh, first century Palestine. You certainly wouldn't if you were the chief uh, tax collector uh, running. How undignified. And even more than that, he starts climbing up a tree to see him. I mean, you imagine it. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, imagine if uh, you know, sort of, uh, somebody of status was uh, found shinning up a tree in Norwich. We think they were absolutely potty. Uh, Zacchaeus had a great desire to seek out Jesus and to seek out what life uh, was really about. Uh, we're fortunate. We don't have to start climbing up trees to see Jesus. If you're looking for him, he's here. Uh, we find him in the pages of the Bible, in God's word. All it takes is to pick up a Bible, to open it and to encounter him through its pages. Uh, lots of people down the ages have found that. Perhaps there are many here this evening who know that truth. Uh, if you've come to university and you're looking for Jesus, look no further. He's here in the pages of his word. Uh, open it, read it, and encounter him. Yeah, it requires a bit of effort. Of course it does. But anything that's worthwhile requires uh, some effort. It might involve running the risk of ridicule from friends or... I don't know, uh, course mates or uh, teammates. But as Zacchaeus recognised, there's nothing else in the world that could be more and more important than having an encounter with Jesus and meeting him. And there was nothing else that he desired more. Thirdly, I think we see from this passage that Zacchaeus made a great decision. He made a great decision. I wonder what you think he was hoping for when he climbed uh, that tree. I, d- I don't know. Uh, but whatever it was, I, c- I think we can be sure that what he encountered, or what he received, was far greater than what he'd ever imagined might happen. What happens? Without the least bit of hesitation, Jesus reached the spot. He looked up, verse 5, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Uh, Jesus calls up, calls Zacchaeus and walks straight into his life. He opens up Zacchaeus' heart and he steps right inside. Such a wonderful picture, isn't it, of the grace of the Lord Jesus. He is always willing and able to save sinners. Sinners, people who have rejected him and rebelled against him. Zacchaeus was a man with a terrible past and a terrible reputation. He was known for uh, what he got up to. Uh, The Pharisees were absolutely right when they said here uh, that uh, he was a sinner. Verse 7, all the people saw this and they began to mutter. He, Jesus, has gone to be the guest of a sinner. They were right. (laughs) It's a statement of fact. He was a sinner. And he knew it. He was a thief. He was a man who was renowned for his evil lifestyle. Uh, He really is the last person, it would seem, who the Son of God should be playing, come dine with me. And yet that's exactly what happened, isn't it? Jesus invited himself into Zacchaeus' house and his life. Why? Because Jesus tells us right at the end, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Sometimes uh, when people are, are very ill, very sick, uh, they, they can be deemed incurable by the doctors. There's nothing that medicine can do for them. To, uh, to really to make them better, to cure them. Uh, the best hope is just to make them more comfortable, as comfortable as possible, uh, in order that their last days aren't, uh, aren't, uh, aren't too painful. 
how wonderful it is that that is never Jesus' verdict on a human being. There's nobody who is incurable, we might say. If anybody would count as that, Zacchaeus was probably that person. He spent his life hunting after money and success and fortune. He had, as far as we can tell, had never given Jesus a second thought. He was the chief of sinners, we might say, as somebody else in the Bible described himself as that. And yet Jesus didn't give up on him. Jesus saw him, picked him out, and entered into his life. And the wonderful news for us this evening is that what Jesus did for Zacchaeus, he can do for you and for me. Elsewhere in the Bible, Jesus says these words. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Jesus stands at the door of our hearts and he's knocking, asking us to come on in, just as he uh, did to Zacchaeus. The invitation's there. The question is, will we respond and receive it? I think Zacchaeus, for his part, gives us a, a textbook example of what it looks like to respond to Jesus. How should we uh, respond to his invitation? Verse uh, 6, we're told, Zacchaeus came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. He responded immediately. He didn't dither, didn't put it off, didn't decide that he was going to do something else first before he uh, would uh, welcome Jesus. Uh, He didn't hesitate, he responded immediately. He responded uh, wholeheartedly. He welcomed Jesus. He didn't go grudgingly and say, oh, what are you doing here? I'm not sure I really want you to be here. He welcomed him wholeheartedly. And he did it gladly, uh, we're told. Freely and joyfully, saying to Jesus, yep, come into my life, come into my house, and, uh, and, and you have the run of it. Zacchaeus made a great decision that day. A decision to receive Jesus. A decision to come to him in faith. A decision to trust him uh, for salvation. Uh, that he knew that Jesus could provide. And to each one of us tonight, Jesus desires to walk into our hearts. And to welcome us into his family. Uh, just as he did Zacchaeus. Uh, to welcome us to become part of his family, uh, a son or a daughter of Abraham, as he describes Zacchaeus. And all he asked for us in return is simply a decision. It's a decision to trust him, to trust his work on our behalf and to obey him. Zacchaeus uh, climbed a tree. (coughs) Jesus climbed another tree, a tree that actually Zacchaeus and you and I should have climbed. It was the tree of that first Good Friday, the cross of Christ, where Jesus died uh, for our sins. This is how uh, one writer, a Christian writer, put it in in the Bible. Uh, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Uh, Jesus bore our sin and our wrongdoing on that tree all those years ago, that we might be forgiven and welcomed back into uh, his arms. Uh, Hurry and come down, Jesus says to each of us, because today Jesus wants to come into our hearts and into our homes. Fourthly, let me pick out the last thing I think we see in this passage. We see that knowing Jesus made a great difference for Zacchaeus. It made a great difference. How can we tell that Zacchaeus' decision was a genuine one? I think it's in the same way that we can tell that any decision for Jesus is a genuine uh, one. It is, of course, by the difference that it makes to somebody's life. 
Uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, uh, said these words, uh, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves us is never alone. We're saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. Uh, Put it another way, what he means is that trusting Christ should always make a difference in a person's life. Uh, And we can see that straight away, can't we, from uh, what Zacchaeus says when the crowd starts to to grumble uh, at him. Uh, Verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times uh, that amount. Uh, he, uh, he, for starters, I mean, he calls Jesus Lord. That's a pretty big thing to say, isn't it? I mean, essentially, Lord is a, uh, in the New Testament uh, is a title that you would only ever give to God. He's basically recognising that Jesus is the Son of God. He's not just another prophet. He's come to try and make life better for people. He is uh, the Son of God. But it's also acknowledgement, isn't it, that Jesus uh, is Lord of his life. He is the master. He is the one who is in control. Previously for Zacchaeus, clearly it was money that took that, uh, that place in his heart. Uh, it was money that was king in his life. No longer. It's Jesus. Jesus is both his Messiah and his master. But alongside that, he, he makes no attempt to try and deny that he's a sinner who's got some serious uh, issues. Uh, he knows full well that he does not deserve the treatment that he's receiving. Uh, there's no, uh, no attempt to try and sort of explain it away or uh, say that someone's got this wrong. Uh, He knows that he is getting what he doesn't deserve. And yet it's not cheap grace, is it? It's not meaningless grace to him. It's genuine repentance. It's a genuine turning from uh, one sinful, one wrong way of living to back to the way that he should be living. It's a total U-turn. Because immediately he announces that he's going to give away uh, his possessions and start to make amends. Uh, for his, uh, his cheating. Uh, what's astonishing is that in saying this, he was going well beyond what the old Jewish law had required of him. Uh, the Jewish law said that only if you'd been a violent robber, you know, been kind of armed robbery, did you uh, require to uh, make sort of fourfold restitution, you know, give uh, people back four times the amount. So Kiss hadn't done that, as far as we know. He'd just been doing his job, essentially. Uh, at the most, God's people were expected to give away up to a fifth of their property to help the poor. And yet, look what Zacchaeus says. He says, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. Uh, never in uh, the Old Testament did God say to his people they were, demanding to give, uh, they were supposed to give half of their uh, possessions away. Uh, there's no doubt at all that Zacchaeus was a transformed man. It's amazing, isn't it? A man who went from loving money and doing anything he could to try and get more of it has completely transformed to the point where he can't get rid of it fast enough. His great decision led to a great difference. The power of Christ in his heart. That, that same power that he knew won him freedom from guilt before God. That same power meant that the grip of sin uh, was broken on his life and empowered him to live for Jesus in a way that he could never do before. There's an old story of a, um, a little boy who apparently prayed this prayer. Uh, Dear Jesus, I'm very sorry I made such a mess of my room today, but I really enjoyed doing it. (laughs) I guess probably most of us have prayed prayers similar to that at some points in our life. I I think Zacchaeus shows us that returning to Jesus isn't simply about saying sorry and then going on doing the same thing all over again. 
Uh, lots of people would like it to be like that. They want Jesus to be their saviour, but they don't really want him to be their lord. They want him to kind of do to, 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 to forgive them and kind of have them back. But they don't want to live in his way. And Zacchaeus shows us that we can't have that. If Jesus is going to be our saviour, he must also be our lord as well. We can't live for him half-heartedly. Uh, maybe you've come up to university and, and you're wondering if that might be uh, you. You're going to pretend that you're a Christian at the weekends and that your friends in the CU. But actually for the rest of the week, uh, you're going to kind of carry on like everyone else does. Maybe finding uh, someone to sleep with, a bit of drinking, who knows, whatever it happens to be. Uh, and you think that somehow you can kind of live half-heartedly. And if you just say sorry to Jesus once a week, then that will kind of be all right. And things will be okay uh, and life will be fine. Zacchaeus tells us that there's never an option if we really are Christians. If we've made a decision for Jesus, it must make a difference. We have to live for him wholeheartedly, and, uh, and it will make a difference. I don't know what that will look like for you uh, this evening. It could look like in lots of different ways. Uh, maybe you're somebody who knows that you've been a bit dishonest on your tax return. If you're following Jesus, it will mean apologising or confessing it, fessing up to the revenue and paying it back and being honest <laughs> from here on. Uh, maybe you're somebody who knows that actually you've not been very nice to people. You're a bit of an unpleasant person and uh, you've got lots of broken relationships. It'll mean apologising to them. It'll mean looking to build them back up and to affirm those people rather than tearing them down. Uh, maybe it's, uh, you're somebody who knows that actually your issue has been sexual purity in whatever way, maybe it's the internet, maybe it's uh, with uh, sexual partners, I don't know. Uh, for you, it will mean recommitting to a life following Jesus' way, a life of purity. And more than that, being ruthless with those sources of temptation. Maybe it's a, a, somebody, a partner who is not good for you, or maybe it's the internet connection, I don't know. But making a decision for Jesus will always mean making a difference in our lives. I wonder what that looks like uh, for you and for me this evening. Maybe we could push it further. If you are a Christian this evening and you've made a decision for Jesus, could others tell that you're different and that it has made a difference in your life? I don't know. I I can't answer that question for you. And if you haven't decided for Jesus yet, what difference might it make? Uh, What would it look like for you to decide for him? Uh, the, I don't know if you've heard of a group called uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators, but they are involved in the work of translating the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the good news of Jesus, the, the Bible, uh, across uh, the world into different languages. And there's a story told of when they were in Brazil, and they were translating it into one of the, uh, one of the tribal languages. Uh, alongside that, they, they just finished uh, translating Luke's Gospel into uh, this particular language, And alongside that, they were also recording a uh, soundtrack in that particular language to the Jesus film. Uh, Jesus film made many years ago. It's based, it's a kind of dramatised version. It's based on on Luke's account of the life of Jesus. And apparently the only local man they could find who was able to to, to speak the words, the dialogue, uh, for the part of Zacchaeus was somebody who, surprise, surprise, was renowned for being really dishonest and unpleasant character. Uh, they twist his arm, they managed to persuade him to record the part, uh, and he did it. But apparently, uh, he refused to, uh, to, uh, to say in the script uh, the words, I stole. He said, that's not true, I'm not saying that. I'll say that he stole, but I won't say that I stole. Anyway, they kind of let it go. But when the film was finished, they went back to the village uh, where they'd, been, uh, where they'd been, uh, been doing the recording, and they showed the villagers 
and the tries and the community, the film that they'd had a part in, uh, in, in playing. Uh, and as they saw the film, as they saw it, and it culminated in Jesus uh, bearing the cross and going to his death and bearing sins on the cross, apparently that man who played Zacchaeus was weeping. And at the end of seeing that, he committed his life to Jesus. And in fact, he wants to go back and record his parts again because he was so uh, excited by what Jesus had done. Uh, he was transformed like Zacchaeus when he realised that Jesus died for him and could sort out his life. You and I can be transformed as well this evening. Jesus is the one who transforms lives. Why? Because he's the son of man who came to seek and to save what was lost. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, so we praise you that you are the son of man. You came uh, not for uh, an aimless purpose, but you came to seek and to save the lost, to seek and to save people like, uh, like us. And we thank you so much that because you died for us, uh, you can make it possible for us to be forgiven, to have a fresh start, just like Zacchaeus. And we pray that you would help us to make that decision to live for you. Uh, and more than that, to, that it would make a difference in our hearts and in our lives. For your glory's sake we pray. Amen.